With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. So, um... I'd like to. Uh, we'd, we'd, I'd like to start with Anthony. He's going to do a short introduction of uh, the team, and then we'll proceed from there. Anthony. Well, you already know Brian. Um, <laughs> can't forget him, right? Um, he's the heart of our team. He just fills in every missing gap. Um, we've got Ken here, who is kind of the behind-the-scenes unsung hero of making sure all of our Things come together as far as the outward appearance of the packages and whatnot. Um, we have Michael Jarris, who does a lot of work with our packaging and whatnot. Where are you, by the way? Um, I'm around somewhere. There you are. Oh, you're hiding off the screen. We have so many people in here, I can't fit them all. But we'll play around with that later so you can see them. Um, we have the... Uh, two newest members of our team, uh, William and Kathleen King. Um, William is uh, going to be working with the, the QA side of things. Um, we're going to be explaining a lot about new infrastructure changes. Um, and Kathleen is, is our social media czar, who is going to be helping keeping everybody up to date with things that are going on. Um, did I get everybody? Yes. And that's basically uh, our new team structure for right now. Uh, we've done a lot of refactoring of how we run things in the project, and Brian's going to go through it with the team, and everyone's going to kind of give their own kind of introduction on how they do things and what they're going to do going forward. Okay, so we're going to start with uh, Mike. He's going to give us an update on um, Stash and how we manage our code. All righty. Um, so... Uh, as a brief overview, we've uh, done a whole lot of uh, infrastructure improvements lately. Uh, and one of those improvements is we've moved all of our code to use um, Stash, which is a Git repo hosting system similar to uh, um, the functionality of GitHub, but it uh, integrates into a common core authentication system. So as we go through some of these tools, you'll you'll hear they all use the same authentication system, so they're all kind of integrated. Um, so what Stash offers us is Git hosting with uh, full permission control, um, which allows us to let you create forks, uh, let you create your own 
branches uh, let you create pull requests, um, and it lets us control things like uh, which users can push to which branches. Uh, so uh, we'll have a, a core team that can push things into master and the release branches, and uh, other users will be able to directly from Jira uh, create a branch for you to work on a bug. Uh, and then you can create a pull request, and uh, inside the pull requests, uh, it gives us an entire system for actually doing code review and feeding back to the user, and uh, it's been pretty successful for us. Uh, uh, typically on pull requests, I, I can go right on a line-by-line -line basis and provide comments and feedback of what issues we may be having with a, a patch before we can merge it, and it gives us a much lower overhead way for us to merge uh, end-user contributions. Um, it's also allowed us to have the flexibility to um, potentially host other third-party related projects uh, since we have this hosting infrastructure up. So if there's other communications related open source projects that are looking uh, to have access to a system like this, please talk to us, and uh, we may be able to help you out. Um, I think that's the full story. Uh, oh, also Stash gives you the ability to you know, dig in and do visual diffs of uh, look at every commit, different branches, and uh, revision graphs, all, all the good Git visualization stuff. So it's pretty handy. And... Next, we're going to have Ken and William talking about Bamboo, which is our continuous integration build system we have up and running now. Yeah, guys, thanks for having us here today, Randy. Um, Bamboo, for you guys that aren't uh, familiar with it, is kind of like uh, a Jenkins CI or one of those things, uh, continuous integration environments. And what it allows us to do is by integrating that with Stash, um, every time we make a commit, it automatically fires off uh, these jobs. And as part of these jobs are automated builds. So we're currently building um, on every commit on Debian and CentOS, uh, coming increasing uh, down the pipe as Windows and Mac. And we'll be adding other platforms for that um, as we uh, move along. So um, with that, uh, that also allows us to, um, on these commits, go ahead and build packaging so we can have more consistent, more thorough packaging across the board and have that uh, all consistent across all the different platforms at the same time. And it, that just really streamlines things for me, um, you know, doing all this packaging. So um, that allows us to do other things like ISOs and such also. So it's uh, really cool because we, once we've got it configured, we really don't have to do anything. We make a commit or make a tag and it just, boom, it just goes and spits out everything. So if you're using uh, a perfect example of that is if you're using the current uh, FreeSwitch Debian repo for getting the latest devs, this that's all automated. So it we tag it, it goes. So um, I mean that Bamboo is itself is not really exciting, I guess you could say, but the automation there really helps us expand what we can support here. And as part of that is QA and automated testing, and I'll let Willie tell you about that a little bit. Right. So one of the awesome things that we get to do with Bamboo is, uh, so first we're supposed to build on a wide variety of platforms, uh, Debian, Windows, Mac, et cetera, but also compiler uh, combinations. So with Bamboo, for every commit, we can fire off 
30 plus different combinations and test them. So we're able to get more rapid response on those. It also allows us to hook in into any kind of automated QA frameworks, such as we can have a system spin up, free switch into common use case scenarios, PBX environment, uh, SBC environment, uh, multi-tier uh, free switch environments, and then run scenarios against it. So we'll be seeing a little bit more of that coming up in the uh, yeah. between now and ClueCon, but it gives us that power to be able to do so very rapidly and very quickly. And Brian, you want to mention some of the confluence? Uh, yes. Um, uh, when we did our, our talk back in June, when we introduced Verto, we were discussing our documentation project and how we had decided to start over. It was about this time last year that we we were doing we were starting that conversion process, and we decided that the bulk import of the data from the old wiki to confluence didn't transition over in a way that was sane or f you couldn't follow it. Um, so at that point in time, we made the decision, us and about six or seven community members, uh, we did a team edit on an outline of what we thought uh, Confluence needed to be laid out like. Um, since then, we've gained, I think we're about 10 or 12 people now that are working on uh, the transition from the old wiki to Confluence. We're currently at about 80% transitioned. Um, we are. We expect this to be completed by late summer. Um, they usually do a documentation sprint either every other week or every week, and they do anywhere from 50 to 100 pages. Um, and that's every Friday um, afternoon they do this. Um, they announce it on the mailing list. So if you if you're not on our mailing list or following us on Twitter, um, be sure to do that. It keeps you up to date with that. Um, in addition, we've uh, we've updated our documentation process. We try to make sure that. Um, new features, functions are documented as soon as they come out. We're getting better at this as a team. This has always been something we've we've been lackluster at, um, but we're we're getting better at that. So, in in addition to that, we you know we have all of this new video stuff that has that has added complexity to the installation process. So we have more documentation that has been written, tested and vetted by multiple people on our team, our documentation team, and community members to assist us um, in making sure that everybody can get to what you're seeing on your screen right now, which is the, the multi-party MCU uh, with all the logos and all the fanciness that you see, along with our real-time broadcasting to YouTube. Um, these are all things um, that I think will shake up uh, some of the communication circles in the open source world. Um, I think you're going to see that. Um, so we're also going to be a lot more organized with uh, behavioral changes. When we change a behavior from one release to the next, we're going to ensure that we start documenting those in a more consistent manner. Um, we have tried in the past to not break uh, compatibility moving forward, but there are a few things we've, we've done um, that we have not documented properly, but we are getting those in. Um, I think we've identified them all. We actually have some JIRAs open in the docs project to make sure this is done correctly. Um, if anybody has anything or any questions, don't hesitate to email out to our docs list. You can you can find that at lists.freeswitch.org. Um, and I'm going to hand it over to Ken. He's going to talk about JIRA a little bit and our bug, bug tracking process. All right, guys. So uh, a lot of you guys are already familiar with JIRA. And uh, with some of these other tools we've been talking about, uh, we're, we're, we're and through bug marshalling, uh, we're kind of streamlining that process a fair, a fair bit. And uh, so that's 
you know, so it's, we're trying to get better bug information and, and more information that's required back to uh, the core dev staff so they can spend less time trudging through JIRAs and actually uh, resolving issues and doing upgrades and, you know, feature requests that come in from JIRA. So that helps out with the process. Um, and as part of what we're doing with JIRA, it actually integrates with Stash and with uh, HipChat. Um, so we are using HipChat internally, um, and we'll be uh, talking more about that uh, in the in the near future. But what this allows us to do is via HipChat and via Jira and via Stash really get that process unified, so we can tie the Jira back to the commit, back to the pull request, and then if there's something that needs to be discussed. Um, with the JIRA integration in HipChat, you can literally see those comments and those JIRAs uh, in context with, uh, you know, what you're talking about there in HipChat. Um, and as well as if, you know, somebody mentions a JIRA ticket, we can just, the link is automatically populated. So it's really easy to jump back and forth between all these products. And of course, they're all integrated back through the central sign-on system. So it's not like we're having to <clears throat> log in 28 times during the day. We log in once and Everything's all tied together, so it uh, it works really, really nice on there. So, um, so uh, you know, for you guys that have been following us along uh, for a while, you know that we have uh, all the different projects in Jira, um, and we also ask that people, you know, do try to assign when they're filling out that bug information. Make sure you're filling out the right information and picking the module. Uh, if you have a specific module that's causing you a problem in FreeSwitch, because that does help us be a email and other mechanisms that are built into JIRA, route those to the correct developer. So if, we, if you always assign it to core, then that automatically gets signed to a specific core member. Uh, when And so he has to troll through all those tickets now and go, oh, well, yeah, that's not really this, that's that over there, so let me assign that to Ken or Brian. And so by doing that, it just lightens our workload and helps us get things done faster. So uh, we do appreciate the guys that are doing that. And uh, I did kind of mention the HipChat integration a little bit. And uh, so I want to just let Brian talk a little bit about HipChat here and what we're doing with that. Okay. Um, one of the main things we've done with HipChat is uh, when we have a JIRA come in, we have a dedicated room where we discuss that issue. So if a new person arrives to discuss this issue, they're able to see the past discussion if they join the HipChat channel. This allows a more efficient communication, reference back to previous conversation without having to search through chat history, emails. Um, we, can, we can discuss and reevaluate what was previously discussed or tried on an issue, in addition to asking for more information in real-time communication with the original reporter or a new uh, party to the JIRA. Um, this allows us to be more efficient with our time and more efficient with communication between team members. Um, so that that's that's a very huge plus for us. Um, and that, that's pretty much all I have to say about hip, hip chat. I'm going to hand this over to Anthony to give a discussion about our free switch 1.6 that's coming out. Anthony? Yes, so uh, we've spent nearly all the time since last ClueCon um, where we had finished explaining Arbito and showing off the uh, the new Web2C and audio stuff that we did, uh, focusing on the video side. And basically, before we started, uh, what we had was pass-through video, meaning uh, you could 
if everybody was using Chrome, for instance, you could use the video conference. It would just kind of route the packets to everybody else. We'd use some technique to figure out who's speaking and, and send that exact video stream to everybody else, um, which was okay, but it was it, it had some issues because um, the, the way that the most video equipment operates, it expects to have, you know, request repeats of frames and a bunch of other advanced features that we obviously can't do if we're just doing the passing through. So uh, we've decided to to just buckle down and and make actual working video support so that we could also have things like um, multiple kinds of uh, different protocols and different codec combinations able to be in the same conference. Um, so our new 1.6 release mainly focuses on this video improvement uh, with some trickle-down improvements to our general WebRTC uh, engine and a few other things. Uh, the, the most important thing about the video is that you can make video codec modules for FreeSwitch now, which can decode and encode video to a, a a generic format so that they can be modified and then uh, re-encoded and distributed. Um, right now we have support for VPX, which is VP8 and VP9. Um, VP9 does work, although it's very experimental on Chrome side still, so um, we kind of have to follow along with them when they're ready for it, and they're still probably within six to eight months of finishing that. But there's a if you do use Canary, you can turn on a special mode to enable the VP9, which we can actually work with. But uh, that's very, very bleeding edge right now. Um, and we've had H.264 working through um, multiple ways. Um, we've played around with Open H.264, and as well, we're using uh, LibAV codec, which exposes um, the system's uh, H.264 of choice, which tends to be by default on most systems to be H.26x, which is just installed on your system already. And it's an abstraction layer, uh, so just by using libaby codec, it'll pick whichever one your system's set up to use. Uh, we have both of those working. I think right now, I don't remember which one of them we have in place, but there's some people in here using it. Uh, some of the calls are SIP, and they're using H.264. Um, we're also ready for for the browsers to be using H.264, I think only Firefox can do it so far, and it's in the uh, plans to work in Chrome as well. But they're kind of they've got a big agenda, and they're it's just they're getting to it. Um, but uh, once we went and made the video encoding capabilities, uh, we had to invent you know implementations of uh, the RTCP extended feedback mechanisms, which are used in most video equipment, including uh, just ordinary SIP uh, kind of higher-end devices as well as the WebRTC. Um, sending RTCP messages in a new range that's reserved for sending control messages, uh, you can do things like request uh, repeat of uh, maybe if your jitter buffer is missing a packet and you get to it early enough, you can send the request back to the other side to send that one packet again to avoid losing that frame, since a lot of video frames are composed of maybe like 10 to 15 packets or more, um, and you have a, a little bit of a, a buffer, you can actually find that some of them are missing and ask for repeats. Uh, you can also uh, tell the other side if you're not getting a clear signal and you want to enter frame or that there's some kind of problem. Um, we're also looking at one for bandwidth control that is kind of 
I think it's implemented in Chrome under like a uh, it's the REMB spec, and it's not official yet. But I think Google's playing around with it because we're we're interested in doing some of those things so we can change the different bandwidths. Like uh, everybody who's in a little picture, for instance, right now, we could send a message to your browser to or phone to to send a smaller amount, a smaller video size, since we're just going to shove it in a little box anyway and turn it up if you're the guy talking and stuff like that. So that's what we have in mind for doing uh, in the near future once that's implemented. Um, some of this stuff, we're, we're right on the edge now of, of what's being possible. Um, there's still, there's, there's support in the works for for choosing the devices still, if that's how new everything is. Like right now, we've implemented being able to pick your camera and mic. You still can't pick your speakers. And that spec is just about to be finalized. Uh, once it is, we'll try and play around with it and add it in. Um, and we also have uh, some other, you know, codecs. Since there's more than one codec now for some of these things, uh, we had support to load them both. Uh, previously, um, most free switch modules they implemented codecs and things like file formats. We're only able to load one for any particular file format or codec. Uh, but we added support now to reference them by name. So say you have two different H.264 codecs, you can actually pick uh, the module that you want to use and have them both loaded at the same time. Uh, and the same goes for file formats because as we're playing around with the development, we're kind of at the mercy of the different tools we can get from other open source projects to render in uh, decode video files and whatnot. So we've got, uh, in order to play around with those easier, we added support to, to pick the module you want to use for, for recording or playing back. Um, and basically, we have a, a series of new modules that implement all these things. Um, and we're going to go over them. Um, with some of the other guys from the team. And uh, before I describe every single thing without letting them talk anymore, I'm going to move on to uh, William, who will talk a little bit about ModVLC. Okay. So now that FreeSwitch has native video support, one of the things we can do is any video stream input or output that VLC can handle, uh, if anybody who's used it before, we can now stream that in and out of FreeSwitch. So it gives us access to a wide variety of uh, sources for content, such as we're doing the YouTube live stream right now, and that's powered through ModVLC. Uh, with that, we can also do things like ModPNG, which is doing uh, the video overlays. If you see the uh, free switch banner right here, we can do text overlays uh, with free type. Uh, we have a module called Mod Image Magic, which allows us to play a PDF, and you can actually navigate it in the conference for doing uh, text displays. Uh, we don't yet have anything for PowerPoint, but I think that's on the list. <laughs> so um, we can play a quick video into the conference. Let's see if this control work as expected. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. <laughs> so you can play it. You can play it in just the floor on the layout. You can also play it for the entire thing. So there's a, a wide variety of options, and it's really an enabling communications tech that you can access anything that VLC can or any of the other sub modules. Uh, and I'll turn it over to Mike to talk about the specific codecs and. 
All right, mod conference. Alrighty. Um, so as far as video codecs, uh, as we were talking about earlier, we have the VPX uh, codec module that supports uh, both VP8 and experimentally VP9. Uh, and then we have a, a module written from uh, lib openh264, which is the library that Cisco released, um, that we are working on figuring out legal issues with packaging, uh, that to figure out if we can uh, uh, bootstrap on top of Cisco's binary openh264 license. And then there's mod AV codec, which I believe is using uh, its own 264 uh, codec, is that correct, Tony? Um, yeah. So, uh, like you were saying before, for the for the codecs, uh, we've added a way that you can specify which one, because uh, there are uh, some differences in quality and performance uh, between those two modules. Um, so those are the video codecs we're supporting currently. Uh, it's a pretty... Uh, flexible interface, so anything else that's out there with the library we can potentially support, and we'll uh, definitely be looking at those in the future. Um, the the exciting uh, feature set that we have in conference is probably the most uh, interesting uh, main feature that we've added, um, the, the conference MCU support, which, uh, I mean, for the most part, you see, what you see on the screen uh, is this. So a little talk about the features. Um, obviously, there's the, the Brady Bunch-style MCU. Um, the layouts of the MCU are completely flexible, so um, we can on-the-fly change uh, the layouts. So now we're in a, a grid kind of layout, and I can just change us back to... This layout as well, so that that's a, a completely on the fly. Give me a second, I just messed up my full screen. Um, <clears throat> that that gives us the ability to, to change that on the fly. There's also a concept of layout groups. Uh, layout groups let us go through a list of layouts depending on the number of members current in the conference. So, for example, that four by four grid that we had, we have a layout group called Grid. Um, so if you have three people in the conference, you're going to have a two-by-two two grid. The second you get to five people, it's going to switch to a three-by-three three grid. And those layouts are completely configurable, um, so you can change it uh, from ones uh, where the, the, uh, a floor party, uh, the person holding the floor switches like we're on right now or something with the grid or a more presenter-style um layout with overlapping boxes, uh, and, and it's completely uh, configuration file-based. Anything you can imagine, we can uh, we, we can do. Uh, so from the base MCU standpoint, that, that's the core feature. Um, another thing we're able to do uh, in the MCU is do a codec optimization. So for each codec, uh, by default, we only uh, encode a single stream, uh, and then you can, if you've got people with specific bandwidth requirements, they can override that. Um, so I know we have 264 and uh, VP8 uh, members in the conference right now, so uh, we're encoding two streams for I don't know, 
for 10 or 12, uh, 13 people in the conference. Uh, so greatly reduces our overhead. Obviously, we decode everyone's video um, who is on the screen. But if people aren't on the screen, we don't even need to do that. Um, uh, what else do we have there? We, uh, like we were talking earlier, we do, uh, we are close with the guys in the Jitsi team, and uh, we think that the MCU feature set provides a very complementary feature set uh, to SFU to create a, a full uh, full product. Um, what other features do we have? We, we have, uh, as you can see on the screen, the ability to do video uh, logo images, um, as well as a full text mm -hmm. render that uh, that we can place text over your video. Um, and the um, the logo image uh, works similar to Michael Gray's uh, uh, image there, where it's, it can use transparent PNGs and overlay um, overlay the uh, text. In addition, we have avatars, which uh, I guess I can emulate this by muting myself. So I, I have an avatar configured. Uh, in, in this case, this is a, a mute image, uh, so you can configure both of those. Um, but uh, for non-video participants, uh, you can program an avatar for that person. So when they're talking, that comes up. And back to video. Um, what, yes. Oh, you can hear me. Good. First okay. of all, I'd like to apologize for all of the weird uh, problems we've had. However, you guys are doing a great presentation, and I appreciate it very much. I just wanted to mention that I'm going to share a screen which shows my outgoing bandwidth, because I think it's interesting, outgoing and incoming, of course. Uh, so I'm showing this, and this is, of course, visible only on our YouTube stream, because we're using two YouTube, YouTube streams at once, where you are presenting on yours, the free switch, and we're doing the VUC. Now, what I'm showing here, I'm going to try to, uh, well, not easy to do this because I have to go over to this screen. Okay, so we're looking at about a 250 up and very low, 331 down. Or am I reversing those? No, that sounds about right. Uh, but, I mean, this is the point was to show that, I'm going to stop that now and come back to the bridge. The point was to show that, um, this is what's going on, and this is one of the advantages. And we spoke about this before we were able to go on air. Uh, one of the advantages of doing it this way as opposed to the other way. So we're, I have pretty decent bandwidth, but I am not using that much of it. And I've got myself in a heart above my head, so that's kind of cool right there. That's only on our stream, though. Anyway, that was my point in interrupting. Um, and other than that, we had a lot of uh, strange things happen, but we're back on track. We're in the Hangout, and uh, please continue. Yeah, so, so uh, as we were talking about earlier, the, the advantage, uh, the way that SFU and uh, MCU are complementary is um, SFU on a low number of participants uh, – is fairly low bandwidth, but when you try to do something like 10 or 12 participants, suddenly you're sending every stream to everyone, and that multiplier becomes far, far too much for most uh, end-user internet connections now. Um, so in, unless you have a, a 
a hundred meg connection or something like that, you start doing 10 or 20 connections, uh, the bandwidth uh, very quickly falls apart. The other interesting thing is the CPU very quickly falls apart um, on uh, on the clients trying to decode uh, on a laptop that uh, that many streams, and you end up sitting there cooking your your lap because your heat's so high. Or the other day, Brian was uh, he's got a Mac Pro, and he he had a piece of uh, tissue paper taped to the top of the Mac Pro and it was actually blowing the thing straight up nonstop, um, which, uh, which can happen. Uh, what else do I have on the list? So uh, we do have the ability to do avatars and, and, and mute images uh, and that's all configurable in real time along with the logo images and text and then we have some other interesting features that aren't strictly cl uh, conference related but uh, can uh, can be a very interesting tool while you're in a conference and I believe Tony and Brian are going to show off uh, some of these features. We are in ZipDX of course. I don't know if that's been mentioned at any point but we're also talking to a ZIP conference server which could have hundreds of people in it theoretically. All right. Let's see here. <laughs> Here's a little example of something we can do. Um, we had people joking around, uh, you know, uh, your video stuff looks great, but uh, can you make people have mustaches? You know, I won't use it unless you can do that. So we figured we'd play around with Mod CV, which is uh, using OpenCV uh, to to do things like look for facial structure and whatnot. And here's a little demo of one thing we can do. If you have a look at Brian. Hello, hello, hello. I'm a cool Viking with a mad stash. I mean, this is obviously kind of a <laughs> over-the-top usage of it, but um, we can use it for uh, probably more useful things. <laughs> uh, just another example, one of the things we can do with our video media bugs, which allows us to tap into the video and change things if we need to. Could be used for, let's see if I can get the floor. So we have the title going across the top and uh, the overlay. Let me scoot back so you can see. Up. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Another thing we can do in addition to rendering graphics on top of what it detects is we can fire events uh, when it detects something. So uh, we have some other demos where you can say automatically mute if you walk away or if you're not paying attention. Um, you know, this is a new realm of things you can play around with. For example, if I cover my face, no, it's not it's not going away. Let's see here. There. See? <laughs> now, let's see. It should be back here any moment. Yeah, I took it away now. Oh, you took it away. Okay. I think we've made the point. Yeah, I think we have too. All right. So, uh... I've got uh, some some items here I want to share as well. Let's see if I can get this to, to pop up here. We had a screen share, but it doesn't appear that my Chrome is going to play nice with me today. Um, all right. Uh, Tony, are you able to screen share a browser window to, to show that off? So my Chrome is not bringing up the window. Sure. Let's see. But we're all here. Uh, let's see where it's screen share. 
Let's, let's pick one. Well, 26 people have dropped in on the Meerkat. In case anybody cares about that. Let's see where to go. Kind of funny. Gotta find a good one. All right. Try this one. Ooh. I didn't. Um, now you're giving away that we uh, actually had notes for this presentation. <laughs> you can you can certainly bet that at any given time we do not. <laughs> um, doing notes for all this improv. Improv. The UC is improv. Yeah. Do you have one of those things where you know the um, like the politician says smile occasionally and you know remembers to talk to your core vote or whatever. Was that in the UK or in Australia where they found the person's notes, the politician's notes? Was that the and it, uh, it, it happened here. It certainly happened yeah. here. And it happened in Oz as well. There we go. There's the screen share up. Oh my! How about that? If I could so, share so, my share, go ahead. Yeah. So so again with the uh, conference layouts, uh, it, it initially came up just in that floor window, but we can pull it around to. Uh, to full screen, or as someone else just changed it to, to a presenter type uh, type of layout. Uh, so th this is very useful for uh, doing demo type things. Uh, we did a presentation. Chris Rienzo did a presentation the other day, and uh, this sort of layout worked very well for us. That's all I got. Looks good. So I'm curious, are you all using Chrome, or are you using real cameras and SIP? video or how, how how's everyone connected in uh, i think uh, on this conference today it's a little bit of everything uh, i think most of our team's on chrome but um i'm usually not on chrome uh just because i'm a i walk around a lot so i i'm usually uh on one of many iphone soft clients uh ground wire lately uh and i'll turn video on and on and off as appropriate, or I'll when I want to do video, I'll pop in on Chrome. Uh, ground, ground wire is Acrobat, uh, not Acrobat. Uh, Acrobat Acrobats. Uh, sorry, Acrobats. Yeah, ac that was that's yeah. their newest. Okay. It, it's not I'll the best video. I'll be honest, it's not the best video client, but it does uh, it, feature set wise, it's a really nice client. No, it's uh, good. They, I, did a, they did a good job. Uh, how come we're not seeing you though? Now we're seeing Anthony uh, full screen, but uh, Michael, how come we're not seeing you? Is there a missing? Because uh, you're speaking, so so there's a presentation thing happening that's not. You didn't. Oh, some, didn't someone was actually. Yeah, someone. I was in the picture in picture. Uh, right. Uh, there I am. Yeah, but wait, uh, I'm in the picture, in picture, in picture, on our, <laughs> on our stream. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Tony just forced himself to four. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. This is this is impressive though. It really is. It really looks great. And and uh, Tony asked me to mention this, and I should have uh, hours ago, but I couldn't because we were rebooting things. But this, uh, what people are seeing on our channel, which is the VUC.me. Uh, or the YouTube channel is a screen capture, so it's a little bit um, blurred down compared to what what I'm seeing on my actual screen. It's it actually looks pretty good, but it's not quite the definition that you'd be getting. Uh, and you folks are available in 1080p, which I can't do. So we're doing a 720p uh, stream. So the point is that you're not seeing the complete definition if you are watching on our channel. Um, your channel presumably is called Free Switch on YouTube. 
It Correct. is. You want to com- compare the two. And I think one of the things, the reason we're doing this today is kind of for people to be able to compare them. So go check out a free switch and go check out the, uh, I don't even know what our channel's called. I think it's <laughs> VoIP users, user slash VoIP users on YouTube. Uh, but if you're watching this as a um, as a uh, VoIP users, a subscriber or member or whatever, go check out the other thing, which would be on the FreeSwitch channel and see the difference between the two, which will be marked, obviously, especially since we weren't able to start when we should have. But anyway, here it is. All righty. Uh, is this back to me, guys? Or I think it is, think it is by think default. Yep. So one of the new pieces of functionality that did land in 1.4 but is going to be a topic on the 1.6 is we have a new event handler. For anybody who's using uh, an AMQP event bus, there's now a mod AMQP uh, module that will do producer. So it will take all the events out of free switch and send them to a RabbitMQ server. It's also able to do a consumer, so you're able to fire off API commands to your RabbitMQ uh, bus and then run them on free switch minor feature but it lays some groundwork for some interesting stuff coming soon so to change over to some of the packaging side uh, a lot of the video functionality that we've had to deal with is more bleeding edge than a lot of distros are actually shipping uh, for instance chrome is ship uh, usually ships with barely tagged if at all versions of vpx and in order to keep the server in sync we had to build our own packages of vpx and a dozen other packages. And we've simplified the free switch installation now. So if you're using our public repo, there's a single meta package that you can install, and that'll track all of the modules. We actually have three variations of it. One, which brings down all the packages just for the free switch core. One for the free switch core plus the default modules. And then one, if you just want to build everything and don't have to deal with packaging, you can install the free switch video depths most package and it'll just keep your system in sync uh, for all the correct dependencies and uh, that is available in our public repo we've had several people uh, volunteer to come test the 1.4 as well as some of those 1.6 video functionality Uh, so all the depths are there Uh, we do uh, need a hand getting additional platforms for packaging Uh, like I said there are over a dozen libraries that we need access uh, or that we require to run video. So we need help for packaging on Mac, Windows, RPMs, uh, BSDs, etc. If anybody is an Ubuntu user and wants to give us a hand, uh, we could use uh, some assistance packaging and testing on the latest Ubuntu LTS release. Uh, Mike, did you have anything you wanted to add to that or... Uh, no, you covered my part too. Um, like we said, we're we're working hard on getting this uh, getting this first class and easy to do for everyone. So uh, if you love a platform other than uh, Debbie and Jesse, we need your help and uh, get a hold of me or William or Ken Rice. And uh, we've got a lot of experience so far on what's necessary. Uh, to, to get a platform fully supported, and we'll work with you uh, very closely on getting that done. But uh, we can't do every operating system in distro by ourselves. So if, if you like a different one, please talk to us, and uh, we'll, we'll give you all the information you need to uh, 
get, get your platform of choice to be a first-class supported platform as well. And, uh, oh, the one thing that I did want to talk about a little bit. In the past, we had been a, a very CentOS kind of shop. Um, CentOS has gotten... Uh, certainly CentOS 5 and 6 that we were on has gotten a little bit stale. CentOS 7's out now. When we went to do all of the work on getting video uh, up and running, uh, we had a very long list of dependencies, and what we found was the dependencies available um, in Debian Jesse was it was really the only distro coming out that was going to be suitable for the dependencies we needed. So. Um, and also, we found that they're just very responsive and that the the patches that they were putting in from a distro standpoint were not nearly as uh, problematic as maybe they had been in the past. So it turns out to be a very responsive, up-to-date uh, distro that we can base things on, and just the, the functionality was there and uh, greatly reduces our workload of having to you know, repackage. So that's why we're on Debbie and Jesse now. Um, like I said, we're more than happy to work with you if you have a different distro you want, uh, but I would expect that it's going to be uh, a decent amount of work. So uh, talk to us and we'll, uh, we're happy to help you out. And I am passing this on to Brian to talk about... I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to give a ClueCon update. Um, as Anthony had mentioned earlier, we have uh, Kathleen. She's going to be our social media czar. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Kathleen for a moment to discuss uh, you know, how, to, how to keep in touch with us. Kathleen. Hey, um, go like us on Facebook um, for ClueCon and for FreeSwitch and follow us on Twitter and you can get all the latest updates and news and fun stuff we're doing. And uh, make sure to register for ClueCon as well. So you can be there and have all the fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's good. All right, thank you, Kathleen. Um, I'd also like to mention that uh, you need to register early for ClueCon. We have a hundred slots available for the pizza party, which is on Monday night. Um, so first come, first serve, first hundred slots. Um, we also have a hackathon. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter at ClueCon or at FreeSwitch for updates. Um, you'll, you'll get more information uh, about those as we uh, solidify some of the event scheduling. Um, in addition to that, we have a 13-inch MacBook Pro that will be the FreeSwitch 1.6 edition. It will be engraved. Um, if, if you register before May 1st, um, you'll get 30 tickets per day for the raffle and six drink tickets for our Tuesday evening oh, very cool. reception. Yeah, so, you know, we, we could we could also plan a wine tasting as well if, 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 if we could get Randy to yeah. come out. Let's do this thing. <laughs> so so uh, if you register by June 1st, you get 20 tickets and six drink tickets. Um, June 15th, you get 10 tickets, two drink tickets. And July 1st, five tickets and one gigabit drink ticket. Um, so register early. Um, before May, did you say before May 1st? Because May 1st is tomorrow or today. Today. It? Well, yeah. So we have today for, for people. But the uh, tickets go down June 1st to 20. So we, we've had a flood of people. We, they go down on June 1st. So you need to register as soon as possible. Um, now, um, 
so Tuesday the 4th is the evening of our uh, gigabit reception, which is where, you know, you'll get to use your drink tickets that uh, you get for your registration. Um, what are the so, giga drinks is what uh, I want to know. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have that on our Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> so everybody be sure to follow us because that's important to keep up to date. Um, in addition, while you're at ClueCon, Keep track of our, our Twitter feed. Last year, I gave real-time updates for logistical changes um, so I could relay information to everybody that had attended. And some people had missed those, so please uh, uh, keep track of us. Follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm going to hand this over to Ken. He's going to talk about the hotel versus not staying at the hotel. Ken? <laughs> All right, yeah, guys. So uh, this, year, this year, we'll be back. Um, if you were at ClueCon last year, we're going to be back at the Intercontinental. And uh, the Intercontinental is actually a really nice hotel there in downtown Chicago. It's centrally located, easy access from the airports. Um, and you're also right there at the conference if you stay at the hotel. Um, a, a lot of people, uh, you know, they want to look around and see if they can find a, uh, different accommodations. Um, but staying at the hotel is, um, in my opinion, an important thing to do because once you're done with the day, it still gives you a chance to hang out with everybody, um, go have dinner, come back to the hotel, hang out. There's uh, you know, plenty of activities near the hotel, and so you can find your way back to the hotel and not have to go 57 different directions. Um, but you never know what's going on in the ClueCon uh, event hall um, after the uh, conference. Uh, you may find uh, Tony, for instance, uh, not coding, but with the guitar in his hand and uh, just hanging out with a few people and jamming. Uh, you can find Brian uh, hanging out in the area. You can find all the different people that are there. Uh, you, you might even run across somebody like Phil Zimmerman just sitting around having a drink and chatting with a whole bunch of people about you know various topics, both technical and non-technical. So it's a good chance to hang out with, you know, all your peers in the area um, and then not have that far to wander. And then when you get up the next morning, you're not having to fight traffic or <laughs> figure out the Chicago uh, transit system so you can get back to the hotel. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's a real time saver while you're there. It also allows you to, you know, leverage, you know, kind of crowdsource what's going on. So you can crowdsource where's a good spot to eat, especially if you're not from Chicago. Because um, we do have several people that are there that will play, that are from Chicago and that love to play tour guide. Uh, plus, uh, this will be the 11th ClueCon. So a lot of our uh, repeat offenders for ClueCon are getting really familiar with the city. <laughs> so uh, you guys come on, hang out. Um, also, uh, by staying at the hotel, you actually help the conference out. Um, and help us not have to have you know crazy crazy expensive tickets because they do uh, uh, help us out with some of that uh, with some of that stuff. But uh, so the more the merrier there. So you guys definitely come on out and uh, and hang out. Question um, at the anybody have any questions about the hotel? Yeah, I have a question. Is the mm -hmm. pizza particularly good in Chicago? Uh, yeah, actually the pizza is generally really good. Uh, Especially Chicago, at Geno's. So Chicago has uh, absolutely the best, absolutely the best pizza. I mean, I guess New York could, you know, claim that they have great pizza. But the last time I was in Chicago, which was only about forty-five years ago, but anyway, they had tomato bread as openers. Chicago is an amazing place, and uh, I was born not that far from Chicago, so I'm very familiar with Chicago. Uh, and you are going to get fabulous. Pizza. If you like pizza 
that's where you're going to get really, really good pizza. And I would vote with you, Ken. You want to be at that hotel. You want to be at that place because, first of all, you just take an elevator and go up, leave your stuff before dinner and so on. And there's all kinds of gatherings. These these conferences are always the same. You want to be at the hotel if you can. So book that thing. Book them, Dano, and get on there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one other thing that I want to hit real quick here. Um, and uh, Willie, go ahead and cue that up. Fantastic. It worked really well. That demo, that second demo was brilliant. I know that guy. Yeah, so what you saw there was just, uh, you know, a quick clip of uh, what's happened at uh, several different clue cons. So you can see that, uh, you know, we get guys like Mr. Bodie down there and uh, Andy, uh, James Tag, uh, even, uh, you know, Emil from Jitsi. All kinds of different people, so definitely, uh, uh, you know, you want to be there. And uh, you know, speaking of those guys, um, I want to uh, hit on another topic real quick, and that's uh, speaking at ClueCon. Um, we still have, uh, we're still taking uh, speaker proposals for that. So if you haven't got yours in yet, go ahead and get it in, because uh, we're going to try to select the best ones that we can get this year uh, for filling the schedule with. So you know, topics can be Anything communications related. They don't have to be free switch. They don't have to be sealed. They don't guitar? have to be web RTC. Uh, you can play guitar. You can play guitar. That'll be my, uh, that'll be my you know, Yeah, but anything communications related. Last year we had uh, two different groups of uh, open GSM, uh, you know, uh, uh, software defined radio guys there. Uh, we had Open BTS, uh, we, uh, and I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, uh, what they call it, but it was, uh, but we literally had prototype, uh, software defined radio, uh, GSM base stations in the house that people were playing with and testing. Uh, we had a meal from Jitsi. We had several different phone manufacturers. You had guys doing WebRTC. You had, uh, even had, well, one presentation was, a guy built a robot that was controlled with WebRTC. So anything related to communications, um, I don't care if it's SS7. Um, if you've got a good topic, uh, go to cluecon.com uh, and you can hit the call for speakers link right there, and you can see some more information about what we're looking for. And uh, and there's a link there to fill out your speaking proposal, have all your information ready in your headshot because you're going to want to put that in there. We're going to pick everybody out. And, uh, you know, we'll get them on the website so everybody can see you're coming. Um, now, if you got an idea for a topic, just keep in mind that 
for KluCon, it's a technical conference for developers and by developers. So technical topics go way better than somebody try, just trying to do a marketing topic. So we definitely want you to do that. Um, come on out, uh, submit your thing, uh, submit your proposal, and uh, please, please, please get those in before uh, the 15th of June so that we can uh, get that schedule picked and published. Um, and getting things done sooner than later actually makes things easier on me and Brian, and we greatly appreciate that. Okay, we're going we're gonna to take our yeah. uh, part of this out, Ken. Thanks to everybody, Brian, Anthony, you, Ken, uh, Michael, um, I'm forgetting, what, William, I think, and uh, give me the other name that I'm forgetting. Kathleen. Kathleen. Kathleen, thank you, everybody, at FreeSwitch. Again, you go to FreeSwitch.org. Uh, I apologize. We kind of uh, messed up in the beginning. It wasn't our fault, really, but um, this is the way these things go. We're going to run a little – I'm going to uh, shunt down the audio from FreeSwitch so you guys can go ahead and continue on your stream, but I'm going to play something for our stream here, and we're going to take it out, and then we will be back with the – mature audiences segment so here we go all right and while randy's doing that everybody's still watching on the uh, free switch stream and uh in other media uh if you want to uh if you need any help with cluecon whether it's getting your speaking proposal in making sure you've got your uh, uh tickets for cluecon or maybe uh you know you work with a company that wants to sponsor cluecon ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from VoxPhone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.